Today on Blue 58, the Packers get to sit out Wild Card Weekend, but obviously there are big implications from this weekend's games. What should you be watching and why? I'll tell you. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. We've got big injury news. We've got Wild Card Weekend. We've got interesting information about a year's worth of data From a bunch of polling we did of Packers fans, a lot to cover, but the most important thing up top, we are entering the last day of our charity fundraiser for these playoff tickets. Uh, In case you missed the last episode, last couple episodes actually, a very, very generous uh, Blue 58 listener has donated four playoff tickets, four divisional round tickets that he's giving away in two pairs. Uh, that you can have a chance to win if you but donate to the um, ANA All the Way Foundation, Aaron Jones' charity that he runs with his brother, and send me a screenshot of your donation. The instructions on how to do all this are in your show notes. There's also a a post up at thepowersweep.com explaining all that you need to do uh, to get entered into this drawing. Our donor would like me to express to each of you that has donated so far very sincere thanks uh, for your generosity. And boy, what a generous bunch we have. 86 donors as of 8.37 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, January 13th. And I expect we will get more uh, Friday. But Friday is the last day. You've got until 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time Friday night to get your donations in, and we have had quite a few so far. Those 86 donors have contributed $2,567.88 to the ANA All the Way Foundation. Excellent work. I'm very proud of you. I wish I could send all of you to Lambeau Field uh, one week hence, but unfortunately we've just got the two pairs of tickets. But still, incredible donation. Uh, from our anonymous donor here, and I'm excited to uh, to hear the stories of the four people who get to go. So we are going to to be drawing Saturday for that. I will contact the winners Saturday and announce them uh, next week on the pod. Unfortunately, if you don't hear, that means you, you didn't win. But um, we're going to just try to get it get in touch with you as soon as possible, get you connected with our donor just so you can start making travel plans if you've got to do that. But if you would like to contribute... Time is is running short here, uh, so don't wait. If you are listening to this right now, look in your show notes, uh, find the link to that post, or just go to thepowersweep.com and, and look at the complete instructions there. Get involved. I'm very appreciative to everybody who has chosen to do this. Whitney Merciless is back. News breaking today that Mr. Merciless is practicing and has been designated to return absolutely crazy. Torn bicep on December 14th. Now here we are almost exactly two months later. He is practicing. Is he going to play next weekend? Who knows? But the fact that he's even in the conversation about playing is incredible because he was pretty good with the Packers while he was healthy and on the field. In the four or so games that he played, he had a pressure rate of about 12.5%. That's right up there near the top. 107 snaps for the Packers, one sack. If he can get to that 10 to 15 snap range per game from here on out, I think we're good. Slightly less than what we expect Zedaria Smith to be playing. The Packers won't be asking him to be playing much, if any, run defense. It's just going to be go get the quarterback. And the Packers are going to have weapons rushing the passer. It's going to be be exciting to watch. 
they should have plenty of guys who can get after the passer. This is finally, finally achieving my dream, my real like long-term dream for the Packers defense of just a bunch of guys who can get after the quarterback being all on the field at once or just coming in waves. It's great. I've gotten a couple questions about chemistry, and uh, I want to take two versions of that question now. First, just the general chemistry question. Uh, The big concern, or it is a big concern, a a real concern with uh, all these guys coming back, entering the mix when they've been been out of it for so long. I think if you're looking at positions that it could affect – Edge rusher, obviously, talking about Winnie Merciless. Defensive backs with Jair Alexander, uh, maybe disrupting that cornerback group a little bit. And the offensive line. If there are any real concerns about chemistry, which I'm not really sure there should be, of those positions, I am least concerned about the edge. It's a pretty simple position, to the extent that anything in in professional sports, or, or the NFL in particular, can be simple. You've got easy, quick fits. You've got simple responsibilities. It's it's not super complicated, and that was a big reason that when the Packers signed Whitney Merciless, they could get him on the field right away pretty much. The real question is basically asking, do you want Zadarius Smith on the field, or do you want Jonathan Garvin on the field? Because Garvin's been the third edge rusher for the Packers for the bulk of the season now. Furthermore, do you want Whitney Merciless on the field, or do you want Tipa Naliai? I think that's an, that's an easy question too. Now, the eye, good in coverage. The real thing you want from your edge rushers is setting a strong edge and getting after the passer. Merciless is probably significantly better there. Defensive backs, sure. Maybe some chemistry concerns, just being used to where everybody goes. Where do you go with Jair? We've talked about that at length. What else do you do with like your your dime defensive backs? Lately, it's been Kevin King. If you could get, end up in a situation where it's, it's Chandon Sullivan and not Kevin King, and even, you know, putting Kevin King ahead of like Henry Black is an improvement. You're taking another step forward there. It's more about jobs than about chemistry. If you are going to have one chemistry question, I think offensive line is is the real one. Uh, they're they're mixing things up on the right side a little bit. Lucas Patrick is going to be playing in a, in a spot that he really hasn't played all season. But the Packers have also weathered these concerns, shifting guys around almost endlessly. Josh Nyman went from third string tackle to starting left tackle, basically, in the span of a couple weeks. It it can be done. They can sort this stuff out. And we really have no reason to doubt that um, that they can get it done. But kind of related to this, I think we have to look at the the ways that this could go poorly. Discord user QHM asks, in what ways could the Packers mess up with all these players coming back? Is there a scenario where it could hinder us? I don't think it's as much a scenario, but more a mindset. Because if you start doing things differently than you've done them to this point in the season, I think that's when you're going to start messing up. Rodgers spoke to this, Aaron Rodgers spoke to this a little bit this week, saying, you know, even with David Bakhtiari out there, even with Josh Myers out there, he doesn't want to just start sitting back there holding the ball, trying to make a play, you know, 2016 style. He wants to get the ball out quick because that's where he's been making the the biggest plays this year, just getting the ball out of his hands quickly, making quick reads, playing fast. There, I think, is going to be a temptation with guys coming back, especially on offense, to play a little bit differently. This is exactly why I brought up the idea a few weeks back of, of the Packers having to decide what their skill position rotation was even before they got to the playoffs. 
Who are the guys you want out there most of the time? This is something that I said this at the time, too, kind of a carryover from basketball. You see this a lot with NBA teams. They've got to decide who their postseason rotation is going to be, who are the eight, nine guys that you're going to be playing the most. You've got to get a feel for that even before the playoffs start. Football, I think, is kind of the same when it comes to you know the non-quarterback skill position players. Who's your, your second wide receiver? Who's going to be getting the bulk of the snaps behind Devontae Adams? Who's playing in the slot most of the time? Is, is that something where you just want to suddenly introduce Randall Cobb there again? It's, it's something that I think the Packers have to be conscious of because if you try to change too much just because you've got these new guys out there, that's when I think you're going to start messing things up. To sum it all up in a simple analogy, I would just put it this way. Soup up the car you've got. Don't try to race in a different one. The Packers have a pretty well-established identity by this point of the season. They've had to make do without guys all season long, and it's worked pretty well regardless of who they've played. Their approach has basically worked. Now they're getting an opportunity to sprinkle in some different guys, and I think sprinkling them in is the way to do it. Don't try to change too much. Make the car you've got better. Don't try an entirely different vehicle. Wild Card Weekend, coming up starting Saturday. Sorry, the NFL is going to want to censor this. Super Wild Card Weekend. All right, we can all roll our eyes together. It's Wild Card Weekend. We all know how this works. It's going to be three days of football, though. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And the Packers may stand some benefit getting somebody on on short rest, depending how things play out. I figured we'd look at each of the games going on this weekend and ask a couple a couple simple questions about each of them. First, who can the Packers play from that matchup? What has to happen to play that team? What am I going to be watching this weekend? And who of the two teams involved would I rather play? So we'll start with the seventh-seeded Eagles taking on the second-seed Buccaneers. In, in this matchup, the Packers can only play the Eagles next weekend. And for that to happen, the Eagles have to win. The Packers are going to get the lowest-seeded team to advance, Next weekend at Lambeau Field, if the Eagles win, they will be the lowest seed available, and the Packers would play them at Lambeau Field uh, next weekend. Obviously a tall order for the, the Eagles here, but not impossible. So what am I going to be watching to see if that takes takes place? Uh, first, what does Jalen Hurts do against a good defense? Hurts has been an interesting story this year. The Eagles have done a good job adapting to what he does well, rather than trying to run an offense and just hoping that he can fit in. That is really kind of the the ultimate in um, in in coaching, adjusting what you are trying to do based on who you've got, rather than trying to make the guys you've got fit into what you do. That's the the Matt Lafleur approach versus the Mike McCarthy approach. Figure out what the guys you have can do well and and build on that. And the the Eagles have done a good job of building on that with Jalen Hurts here. Second, what does Levante David bring to the Bucks in his return? He's off injured reserve this week. Is he going to be 100% full go? Is he going to be running sideline to sideline? Is he going to be making things difficult for people in the middle of, of the field as he did uh, against the Packers last year? Interesting question. We'll find out this weekend. Finally, how does tight end Dallas Goddard affect the game for the Philadelphia Eagles? He has you know, wrecked a lot of teams this year. He's been been right up there with a guy like Mark Andrews as a potential headache uh, for teams all over the league. Legit tight end can play all over the field. What does he do against the Buccaneers as sort of one of um, the primary options in the Philadelphia offense? Interesting questions. We'll find out some answers this weekend. Of these two, I think I would clearly rather play the Eagles. 
I'm not saying the Eagles are pushovers. I just don't want to face the Buccaneers until we absolutely have to. I'm not scared of the Buccaneers per se, but I would be more hesitant to face the Buccaneers than the Eagles because I just think the Buccaneers have more pieces that they can throw at the Packers than the Eagles can. Next up is the sixth-seeded San Francisco 49ers against the third-seeded Dallas Cowboys. The Packers can play only the 49ers here because of, um, you know, advancement sort of things in, in this game. The, the, the Cowboys are never going to be the, the absolute lowest-seeded team, so the Packers can't play them. What has to happen then for the Packers to play the 49ers? Well, the 49ers obviously have to win, but the Eagles would also have to lose to be the lowest-seeded team to advance. What am I going to be watching? 49ers have a bunch of questions at quarterback. I'm going to be starting there. Jimmy Garoppolo, well, he's a pretty well-known commodity at this point in his career. You can like him, you can dislike him. What you can't really argue at this point is you don't know what you've got in Jimmy Garoppolo. He is what he is at this point. But the 49ers also have an interesting piece in Trey Lance. What do they do with him, if anything, in the playoffs? Second, the 49ers run game. Can they deploy it against a really good defense in the Dallas Cowboys? Run defense is not the same as pass defense. Pass rush has been the real strength for the Cowboys this year. But uh, what will the 49ers run game do against the Cowboys defense? Generally speaking, it feels like the 49ers are a much more unknown commodity than the Cowboys. The Cowboys have basically been the same, been basically what they are all season, at least from, from my vantage point. 49ers have sort of ebbed and flowed. They've had ups and downs this year. They've had injuries that they've dealt with. They've gotten a little bit healthier at times. They're a bit of a wild card. So with that in mind, I think I would much rather play the Cowboys. Because for one thing, they are that known commodity. That makes them easier to approach. But for another, I think the Packers just match up better with the Cowboys than the 49ers. Finally, AFC West matchup, Arizona Cardinals taking on the Los Angeles Rams. The Packers can play either team here, um, depending on how a couple other things go. If they want to play the Cardinals, or if they're going to play the Cardinals, the Cardinals obviously have to win, but the Buccaneers and Cowboys also have to win so that they are the two higher-seeded teams to advance, obviously. Same thing for the Rams. they got to win, the Buccaneers and the Cowboys have to win. So two big questions that I'll be watching in this game. First is Kyler Murray all the way back. He has had injuries down the stretch this season, and it's kind of a, a lot of the pre-draft stuff people wondered about with him coming to roost for the second season in a row, I should add. Uh, he's a little guy. He takes a lot of hits because he runs around. Can his body hold up? And he dealt with some injuries down the stretch this year. Is he going to be all the way back in the playoffs? Second, is, Staff, is Matt Stafford still giving things away? He had a stretch there of, what, three, four games with a, with a pick six every single game? It is... Uh, Well, it's the Matt Stafford experience, I guess. He's always been a little bit of a wild card. And in Los Angeles with the Rams this year, yeah, I know there's been some injuries, but he's been a little bit of a wild card there too. Is he still a liability at times for the Rams? I think we know the answer is yes, but whether or not he continues to be in the playoffs against the Cardinals uh, will probably determine who the Packers play in its own sort of way. Of these two teams, I would rather play the Rams. I have been on record for a long time of being scared of teams that are high variance. And the Cardinals seem like you don't really know what you're going to get from them on a weekly basis, or maybe even a quarterly basis, maybe even a play-by-play basis. What sort of team are they going to be? Do they even know? 
And that's kind of what a guy like Kyler Murray gives you. You are so unpredictable play by play that sometimes it's just who knows. And that's a little bit scary sometimes for a defense that has not been 100% consistent all the time. I think I would rather have the Rams. If anything, the Rams are a little bit more, I don't want to say predictable because I think there's some negative connotations there, but there are some, some concerns that you have with the Cardinals that you don't have with the Rams. A couple questions from listeners on the wild card round, both coming in from our Discord server. Jeff25624 asks, who is the team you would least like the Packers to lose to? I will allow you to select an AFC team, but I'm mostly thinking NFC, and it's a clear-cut choice for me. I could handle anything else except a loss to Mike McCarthy at home in the playoffs. It's a good suggestion there. I think the top one for me, obviously, has to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My disdain for a lot of the narratives around Tom Brady um, is is long standing, and I think sometimes that uh, maybe gives the impression that I don't like Tom Brady as a player. I think he's fascinating to watch because he's he's relatively unique. Um, he's kind of a this is going to sound like an age joke. He's kind of a dinosaur, and I don't mean that as an age joke here. But he's a he's a, a something you don't really see anymore. An absolutely pure pocket passer. There is no bootleg action get to the edge with Tom Brady. There is no scramble around and see what happens with Tom Brady. There is standing in the pocket, manipulating the pocket, and delivering the ball down the field with Tom Brady. And that is it. That's fascinating to me. And I wish we could just talk about a guy like Brady or like Rodgers or like any quarterback without needing to obsess before we get to the pros and cons of their games about where they stand in historical context. So Setting the Buccaneers aside, I got to agree with Jeff here. I think losing to the Cowboys at home would be nearly intolerable, especially because I am old enough to remember the pre-Super Bowl Packers getting handled by the Cowboys again and again and again and again and again and again and again in Dallas. It seems like the shoe is on the other foot a little bit now. Despite all the times the Packers have won in in Dallas, they've been able to face the, the Cowboys a little bit more frequently up in Lambeau Field, including the 2014 playoffs where the Packers handled them you know, pretty well. Whether or not Des Bryant dropped it, and he did, um, the Packers would have had no problem moving the ball down the field because Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams in one of his very first breakout games were just moving the ball up and down the field to say nothing of Eddie Lacy at the peak of his powers. So getting the Cowboys finally at Lambeau Field and getting a chance to to maybe continue this narrative in the other way where the Packers are finally getting the Cowboys at home regularly and being able to you know send them back to Dallas with a loss having that with a, as healthy as a team as the Packers have facing Mike McCarthy at home and, and then losing not even so much to Mike McCarthy because I love Mike McCarthy I think he's a great guy uh, I loved him for a long time in Green Bay but Jerry Jones looms larger. It's not so much losing to Mike McCarthy, it'd be losing to Jerry Jones. The Jet Sweep guy asks, which wildcard game is the most interesting to you this weekend? So right away, let's throw out uh, Eagles-Bucks. Don't care so much about that one. Uh, If the Eagles get an upset there, that's great. Uh, Football-wise, I don't think it's going to be all that interesting. So it comes down to the 49ers and Cowboys and the Cardinals and Rams. So the the Cardinals and Rams, I think, is going to be a laser light show. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, 
But when I'm looking for an interesting game to watch, I want to see a contrast in styles. And that's why I think my pick would be 49ers and Cowboys. They've got some serious differences there. Uh, the Cowboys are, in a lot of ways, pretty similar to a lot of the McCarthy-era Packers teams. They, they, you know, like, they have a lot of interesting receivers. They've got a, a quarterback who's uh, at or near the peak of his powers. He's uh, playing well. Dak Prescott is. But you're coming up against the run-heavy San Francisco 49ers, who, as I mentioned, have a lot of different QB questions going on and just have an interesting and innovative offense as well. So I like the contrast of styles there. If I had to pick one game to watch this weekend uh, in the NFC side, that would be, uh, that'd be it. So that's, that's my pick. I want to talk about polling data here for a second, but first I want to mention again our, uh, our Discord server. That's where a lot of the questions have come today. Uh, to get into the Discord server, you need to be a Patreon supporter. Patreon.com slash ThePowerSweep is where you go to do that. It's just one of many benefits that you get from, uh, from joining our Patreon for any amount of money that you'd like to contribute either per month or now. Uh, available on the, on the yearly basis as well. You get into the Discord server, you get some bonus content, and you get to help us continue to stay ad-free forever because I think that is the way to be. So consider supporting us today, patreon.com slash thepowersweep to do it. And uh, you'll get to have discussions with Packers fans from all over the world if you take a second to join us there. I'd like to talk about polling data for a second every week on uh, the Power Sweep's Twitter page. We run a weekly poll with eight to 10 questions or so, depending on the time of year. And uh, we've come up with approval rating data for a few key figures in the Packers organization. And I just wanted to run through that for you real quick here, talking about uh, a few of the guys that we poll about every week. We talk about the Packers overall as the first and foremost question from our our poll thing every week. Uh, We ask, do you approve of the overall direction of the Packers? Yes or no? Or what do you approve, have a neutral opinion or disapprove, I should say? The high point for the season uh, happened for the Packers as a team very recently. Heading into week 16, the approval rating for the entire team hit 100%. They had just beaten the Ravens. They're heading into a game against the uh, the Cleveland Browns. And the team-wide voters said they had a 100% approval rating for the team. The low point came back in week two. A few guys hit their lows after that week one loss, but the Packers themselves were down to 25.6% approval rating among our our fans online. Interesting, I thought, that uh, it dropped that low. Overall, though, the trends have been uh, towards pretty high numbers. Uh, the team as a whole has been above 90% since after the Rams win, just prior to the bye week, and that uh, trend looks to be holding fairly steady. Brian Gutekunst uh, has also been at a relatively high point recently. He had a 100% approval rating after week 17. And this is interesting, I think, because that was just days after Rasul Douglas had had two interceptions against the Cleveland Browns. I say that's interesting because the low point for the season for Mr. Gutekunst was when he dropped to 55.6% in week five. We did that poll just after the Packers missed out on Stephon Gilmore and signed. Who did they sign instead? That's right, Rasul Douglas. The high and low of the season, both tied to Rasul Douglas, it seems, for Brian Gutekunst. Overall, people just seem to have a lot of confidence in Brian Gutekunst. He stays fairly high even when the Packers lose. Of all the people, I shouldn't say all the people because of somebody we're going to get here in just a, a couple minutes, of nearly all the people, Gutekunst's approval rating seems the least tied to what happens on the field. And I think that's good. It shows our Packers have a nuanced opinion, or our voters, excuse me, have a nuanced opinion of who is making decisions and affecting the Packers. 
It's interesting to me that Brian Gutekunst consistently ranks behind Matt LaFleur, though. I don't have any theories on why that is. I just think it's kind of interesting. Just an interesting note or quirk in the data there. Speaking of Matt LaFleur, he recently came off a bit of a a hot streak, down to, well, just under 100% approval rating, high 96 97% range this week. But from weeks 16 through 18, he had a 100% approval rating. That's right, three consecutive weeks. Low point, though, for LaFleur was week two, like many, but he only dropped to 71% approval. Nobody else on the team was above 60, but LaFleur held pretty steady at 71%. Overall, LaFleur has the highest average popularity on the team. And I think it's a real sign of the times that Matt LaFleur consistently beats Aaron Rodgers. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers for a second. He's been on a bit of a rally for about a month or so now, month, month and a half, hitting his high point for the season this week. In fact, 97.3% of our voters say that they have a positive or approve of um, of Aaron Rodgers and his work as the Packers quarterback. Low point, like so many others, was in week two, down to 20%, an all-time low for him. And I think that's got to reflect some of the off-season dissatisfaction with Rodgers carrying over into the regular season. Overall, though, he has been improving. There was about a month straight where he was in the 60s and 70s approval-wise after his uh, after missing the game with the with COVID and then uh, the subsequent fallout there. But his popularity just now getting back to pre-COVID levels even a little bit higher. Switching over to defense and special teams to finish this out, Joe Barry, well, he's had an interesting year, hasn't he? His high point was back in week 11, 96.2% approval rating. That was the week after the Packers shut out the Seahawks. But he has also experienced some deep lows, all the way down to 0% approval in weeks 2 and 3. He is all over the map in terms of trends. For a while, he was the most popular guy in Green Bay, but he's been a bit on the downswing, leveling out a bit lately, but uh, generally lower than he was earlier this season. That's pretty similar to Mike Pettin. Uh, For defensive coordinator, in the time that we have been doing this polling, the results have been the most volatile for that guy. Uh, General manager, pretty stable. Head coach, pretty stable. Quarterback, pretty stable. Defensive coordinator, all over the place. Which sounds pretty bad until you get to the special teams coordinator, who people seem to hate pretty much no matter what the Packers are doing on special teams. This was true for Sean Menenga. It was true. It is true uh, for Maurice Drayton, too. The high point for Mr. Drayton happened all the way back in week three when his approval rating skyrocketed all the way up to 40.9%. Ouch. In terms of lows, well, he's hit zero three different times this year. That's even worse than Joe Barry. Overall trend for Drayton is not great either. It's low and staying low. This week, in fact, is the first time he's been out of the single digits in terms of approval rating since week nine. Ouch. Not great. And look, I get it. Special teams have been real bad for the Packers. I don't blame you if you're not feeling super great about Mr. Maurice Drayton. But of these guys that we've talked about, of Gutekunst, of Lafleur, Rodgers, Barry, and now Drayton, He also seems to have the least control over what goes on with his units. Because say somebody, one of your special team's mainstays is like your fourth corner. That's a bad example because that's Isaac Yadam. Say you just, a hypothetical here. Say your best special teamer is is your fourth corner. What happens when your nickelback gets hurt? 
suddenly that fourth corner isn't going to be playing every snap of special teams anymore. No, he's going to be overplaying defense. That's the sort of thing Drayton's got to deal with on a week-in, week-out basis. He's constantly shuffling who's on the field for him. He's constantly going through all that stuff. And I get it. That's the job. He signed up for that. But still, that doesn't make it any easier for him. There you have it. You can review the entire polling data yourself at thepowersweep.com. Uh, it's towards the bottom of the page on the home page. Uh, click through all of our advanced stat type stuff. You'll find Packers polling there. In the meantime, that's all I've got for you in this episode. Please consider donating to the charity drive. You will get yourself a chance to win some tickets to the Packers playoff game in the divisional round, courtesy of a very generous donor who listens to Blue 58, just like you. Uh, in the meantime, if you don't want to do that, just do me a favor and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. It's going to help more people find the show, and it's going to get more people involved in this conversation we're having around the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.